0: Welcome in. Good to have you. Happy Thursday. Governor Gretchen Whitmer gave her sixth state of the state address last night. And, and she she covered a, a, a wide range of topics. And aside from the, the silly 80s music puns that I just couldn't seem to get past, um, there was a lot of what we expected there to be, which is a lot of celebrating for the governor and Democrats who have taken over Lansing uh, last semester for the first time in 40 years. And so there was going to be a victory lap. There was going to be a, a parade of sorts, if you will. And we, we saw a lot of that, but there was a lot of other expenditures that I, I, I do question where a lot of this money will come from and whether it's child care, whether it's uh, two years of community college for, for high school graduates or the the continuing efforts to build more housing. Um, this is going to take a lot of money. It's going to take a lot of time. And I'm just I I, I was left a little short with exactly how we're going to pay for all this. But that's not the purpose of the state of the state. The purpose is where we are as a state and after uh, six years, essentially of the governor and her administration in place, Michigan is still in a pretty tough spot in, in a lot of important factors, whether it's education, economy, uh, crime, fiscal stability, uh, all according to us news and world report, Michigan ranking in the bottom half of most important categories, including infrastructure and and healthcare, even one of the bright spots in the state of Michigan. But there is still a lot of work to be done. And from a Republican perspective, it's okay, well, all of these things in a utopia, in a in a in a closed society, it can be fine. But in reality, how are these things going to help us moving forward? Free lunch for 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 grade school ch- children fine it's a great idea. The fact that that students who need lunch, can get it, need breakfast, can get it is great at what at what cost I'm not saying it's good, bad, right, wrong i'm I'm talking about the x's and O's, the dollars and cents of it all, and so I'd love to get your thoughts on the governor and her address last night. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. We'll talk to James Holman, the Director of Fiscal Policy at the Mackinac Center for Public Policy, coming up in, in just a couple of minutes. Because uh, kind of the same sentiment that I share with you, the Mackinac Center seems to to share as well. So we'll, we'll talk to James coming up in just a couple of minutes. Uh, also, Jim Harbaugh bolting for the NFL. I have been telling you for, well, really since... Michigan won the national title. My my feeling on it, my read on Jim Harbaugh was that he was going to go to the NFL. There is one thing that the NFL can offer Jim Harbaugh that the University of Michigan cannot. And that is an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. Jim Harbaugh spent nine years at the University of Michigan coming back to his alma mater. And it wasn't all you know, uh, cherries and gumdrops. There was a lot of difficult times, especially in that early to to mid portion of Jim Harbaugh's tenure. But after COVID, after that 2020 year, when they were, were, were really just, they weren't very good. they turned it around three time, big 10 champs, three time attendees of the college football playoff. And, Culminating in this year's national championship win, so I, 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 my read on Jim Harbaugh was that he was going to the NFL. He wants to try to win a Super Bowl, and at the end of the day, that's just something that Michigan can't put in a contract. It's just something that that Michigan can't offer, and so I, I, I think Jim came back to his alma mater in a time when they needed him and he did everything that he had set out to do he turned Michigan into a national brand once again which had slipped under Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke and he returned Michigan to a a place where where many Michigan fans would like them to be and that is somewhere atop the Big Ten and over the last three years they were at the top so Jim Harbaugh going to the NFL and and he'll be with the LA Chargers. Um and, and he was a quarterback for the Chargers. So there is a, a little bit of familiarity there. The Spanos family owned it then, own it now. And so um the Chargers feel too like like they have one of their own coming home, and certainly Michigan fans know how that feels. So so Jim Harbaugh off to the NFL. Uh in some breaking news yesterday, which was which was pretty surprising to a lot of people. I mean, for me, I mean I I, I appreciate what Jim Harbaugh did for Michigan. I appreciate the fact that that he turned Michigan into, into the national champion that they that they ended up being at the end of, of this perfect season. Um and and it it felt like the right time for him to go. I mean there's just this very rare opportunities where you're gonna find a Nick Sabot again where you're going to win six national titles in the span of 17 years. And and with the way college football is laid out these days, it just doesn't seem like you're going to see that much, if at all. Meanwhile, the manslaughter case against Jennifer Crumbly, the first parent tried in the country in connection to a school shooting, underway in Oakland County today with opening statements and testimony. WJR senior news analyst Marie Osborne joins us for an update on what's transpired so far today. Good afternoon, Marie.
1: And they are still underway, Chris. So let's start with the drama. Some very dramatic moments in the first day of the trial. And the drama took place between two attorneys in the case, the defense attorney, Shannon Smith, and the Oakland County prosecutor, Karen McDonald. Jennifer Crumley had begun sobbing and became inconsolable when video footage was played of the shooting scene. Jennifer Crumley had not seen that before. That's when Smith asked the judge for a brief recess so her client could regain her composure the judge excused the jury and that's when the tempers flared mcdonald's saying it was not fair to allow the defendant to sob during testimony and smith saying the video was horrific and they were doing their best the judge said everybody needed to take a deep breath and ordered a 10-minute recess now back to the opening statements they started with prosecutor marquise showing pictures of the victim's to the jury and then saying this.
2: That's why, even though she didn't pull the trigger on November the thirtieth, she's responsible for those deaths. I ask that during this trial you listen to the testimony, you review the evidence, and you follow the law. If you do that, you will undoubtedly reach a fair and just verdict.
1: And in her opening statements, the defense attorney Shannon Smith characterized Jennifer Crumley as a quote hyper vigilant parent. Who was doing her best.
3: Jennifer Crumbly was the mother to a 15-year-old son and she did not have it on her radar in any way that there was any mental disturbance that her son would ever take a gun into a school, that her son would ever shoot people.
1: And so the uh, she also tried to distance her client from the actions of her husband, James. You will remember he's going to be going on trial in a mm. few weeks for the same charges. So, Chris, gripping testimony from one of the teachers, uh, uh, the assistant principal, uh, the uh, gun shop clerk who sold the gun. Lots was made about mm. who was there that day. It was James Crumley and Ethan Crumley, Jennifer Crumley not there that was stressed in that testimony. You can see where they're going with that.
0: Yeah, I you know, I don't know about you Marie. I have I have gone back and forth with how I think this case could go. I mean, you you can make the argument that it is it is plausible or possible that they could be not the most attentive parents but still not be responsible for what happened. And you can make the argument, which Karen McDonald surely will, that their negligence of their son is is what ended up leaving Ethan in the place that he ended up being when he committed these horrific shootings. So, I I, I don't envy these jurors. And you have been in so many of these courtrooms in these cases. And yes, even a crying person can. Play into what the jury is thinking of this person, that they're remorseful, that they're 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 in shock and awe over what they're seeing. I mean, all of these things come into play. I don't know how this I don't know how this shakes out.
1: This is going to end on the very thing that you said, because what might be negligent to me might be acceptable behavior for someone else right. in terms of parenting. How many times do you say, geez, that child shouldn't have a pass fire. Geez, that child shouldn't be doing I say it about my that. own child yeah. every day. Well, right. You know, because you think that sure. but another parent may not think that's a big deal. Sure. And I, th- I mean, of course, we're not talking about something as benign as no, that. Here no. we're talking about, you know, all these deaths and this tragedy that unfolded here. So, it, but it's the same sort of thing what what do you constitute as neglect and so they're they're very they're I mean they are drilling this down for, yep. for the jury. they really want them to take a very close look at that by the way, Jennifer Crumley looks completely different than she did i mean
0: mm-hmm. completely yeah. different,
1: yeah. Uh, I you know she was wearing civilian clothes. She was not in her um, orange pres- jumpsuit. Yeah, in the, yeah. In the jumpsuit. Uh, she has gained a lot of weight. She her face looks different. Her hair looks different. I mean, she
0: looks older. Even she I mean, definitely she looks like she's aged a lot. In more than two years.
1: Yep, more than two years. Yeah. So that's another point to make. Mm.
0: Marie Osborne, thank you very much. Thank you. All right, we're going to recap a little bit of what Governor Gretchen Whitmer had to say, and how do we get the money to pay for? A lot of these these issues that the governor wants to tackle going forward into 2024, especially in a in a little bit more of a precarious situation for Democrats, and at least in the House, where everything is split equally down the middle. That's next on JR Afternoon. You know, over the last couple of years, especially post pandemic, when Michigan had that influx of one time spending from the federal government, they, they used it for a number of, of issues. And the idea was hopefully they were going to be transformational. And, and Michigan was going to be able to benefit long-term from that one-time investment. Well, the idea is as that money runs out, as you get towards the bottom end of those coffers, what, what supplements it? Because that was one-time money that the state didn't have or plan on or, or any of those things. So once it's gone, what do you do? And, and even now moving further away from those days... When you're asking more and more of of the state via the, the taxpayer, you, when you're asking more whether it's you need more road funding, Michigan has historically, and look, Democrat, Republican, I don't care. The fact that Michigan hasn't been funding proper road construction over the last, I don't care, however many years, pick a number, that's a travesty. It's what puts us in a bad position now. So when the governor has to take out a loan through bonds to help pay for roadways and when that goes away, we are still not going to be at the threshold that we need to be spending in order to actually not only fix our roads, but then maintain them properly. And so, look, at the end of the day, I know that these speeches are not meant to be knock out, drag out policy discussions and, and X's and O's talk. It is a victory lap to a certain extent. The Democrats had a lot to be, uh, they had a lot to feel good about over their their last session of of and first session and of rain in quite a long time. So it was a victory lap. But as she set the 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 goals for this coming session in this coming year. I leave scratching my head wondering how we're going to pay for a lot of it. James Holman is the Director of Fiscal Policy at the Mackinac Center for Public Policy, and he joins us. James, good to have you. Uh, thanks for having me on. All right, so whether it's education, whether it's road funding, whether it's uh, new housing being developed, how how do we pay for all of this?
4: Well, I'm glad you're asking that question, because if you listen to the governor's speech, she didn't really dwell, or she actually wanted to ignore the fact that her proposals cost money. She said she wants to do something about the cost that your typical households are facing, but none of her proposals lower costs. they just exchange responsibility from the people who are going to buy new cars it's one of her proposals or uh, businesses that want to do more in research and development and take those costs and transfer them to the taxpayer yes it's an expensive way to do business no that doesn't do anything about costs uh, and it does cost uh, except costing taxpayers more so, I think uh, that's an important thing to point out. We don't know for most of our proposal. There are some things that you can do uh, to accomplish it without having to reach further into taxpayer pockets. You're right that the state government has growing resources, and that if anything is a priority lawmakers, it's got to be a priority against other spending. So, yeah, it's possible to afford a lot of this stuff without uh, having to reach deeper into taxpayer pockets, but the governor's doing that anyway. Uh, uh, She is unilaterally, by a a strange interpretation of a uh, tax statute, going to increase the the income tax rate from 4.05% to 4.25% very soon. She doesn't have to do that. I wish she wouldn't.
0: James Holman with the Mackinac Center for Public Policy joining us. I think words really matter. And at one point last night, the governor said, I cannot solve global inflation alone. Fair. Fair. I don't expect. I don't expect the governor of Michigan to solve global inflation, but I think it's important to remember that in an election year where the current president who is up for reelection has overseen the spike in inflation during his tenure um, and, and subsequently fallen at this point. But but when she says that no one can solve it, not even a president, to me, that's all political speech. I think there are things that the governor can do that can bring down some of these costs, bring down the burden of some of these costs and some of these high prices that people are paying in Michigan. How how would she go about that?
4: Well, I mean, uh, she can care about the costs that she does influence and does control, like the income tax, which we've, uh, which we've already talked about. Uh, but there's other things. And she actually did have one little thing that I think uh, does help with costs. It was it was just one little line, and that was trying to recognize out-of-state teacher certificates, so that we can increase the supply of teachers in in, in the state of Michigan, uh, and I think that that can help uh, that can help with some of the costs. It makes uh, that lowers the barrier to entry for teaching in, in in the state of Michigan, and we can apply that to other licenses as well in fact a number of states practice universal licensing recognition so that if you're certified for something in another state we can uh, we can assume that you uh, can safely provide uh, uh, provide that uh, do, do that job here mm-hmm. in the state of Michigan. And those are the type of things that influence the market that can help lower costs. And the governor is, just hasn't been all that interested in doing that or is seeing what part of government increases costs for people. And I wish you'd pay a little more attention to that.
0: Too. I, I think one of the other areas where I, I scratch my head and wonder how we pay for this is, is four-year-old preschool and guaranteed free community college for a high school graduate for two years. So I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. And when we had to pay for preschool, uh, an early childhood development program for my five-year-old last year, it was very expensive. Childcare, daycare, if we wanted to put our two-year-old in a in a daycare spot, even for two days a week, I mean, you're looking at nearly $1,000 for, for two full days. I mean, there's no doubt that the cost is outrageous, but at the end of the day, if the state's going to foot the bill again – I ask where the money is coming from,
4: yeah, uh, and you are right that, that those proposals are going to be expensive, but more important than that is that uh the proposals are like I want government to help people who need help, sure, the proposal to extend preschools uh preschool or child care uh subsidies um we already do that, we means test it, and we can talk about exactly. Uh, Who who could use uh, some assistance? But what she's trying to say is that no, everyone's going to get this regardless of whether you need help or not. And I just don't think that's a good use of, of the taxpayer dollars to help people who don't need help. Uh, so I think that's there. And, and when you expand it to these universal programs, obviously you're going to explode the cost of these, uh, of these, uh, or the cost of, of, of uh, childcare and preschool support. Uh, I did do the math on community, on the community college numbers. Mm-hmm. So there's a little less than 100,000 college or uh, high school graduates a year and tuition at community college is a little bit North of $4,000 a year. So you, uh, do the math on that, and that's uh, paying for two years. is around $800 million a year, and that's if everyone goes to college, but that's what exactly the governor is pledging. Uh, so it's going to be less than that, but it's still this, this massive increase for something without much care about whether community college, or the people who enter community colleges, sure. actually graduate, get degrees, do that productive social thing that we want them to do. And I really – I, I have a lot of wishes for uh, for the governor. This is another one. It's to care more about outcomes than inputs. Yeah. Because a lot of it has been we're going to support uh, Sure. community college students. I'd rather we need to make sure that uh, community college students do the desired outcomes and use community college to better themselves. In, better.
0: in a proper way. Yeah. Uh, James Holman with the Mackinac Center for Public Policy. Good stuff. We'll talk again very soon. Thank you.
1: Our current toolkit limits our ability to attract small and second-stage businesses. So let's start the Hire Michigan Fund to lower overall payroll taxes for these firms. The value here is simple. The more you hire in Michigan, the more you should save in Michigan. We had a similar bipartisan program years ago that worked well. Let's bring it back because, well, everyone loves a throwback, right?
0: That is Governor Gretchen Whitmer at her State of the State address address. Last night, and uh, donning a lot of Lions uh, gear. There, were, there was a lot of Lions uh, lapel pins I saw last night. The governor was wearing one. I believe uh, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson uh, also was decked out in, in Lions gear, which was uh, really cool to see. Uh, and how about this? From General Motors. They are delaying a shift in Flint so that their employees can watch the lions game and watch the, the NFC championship game. They are delaying production, uh, of the highly profitable pickups made at Flint assembly, the Silverado. And, and they are going to uh, allow, <laughs> allow their workers to catch lines in the NFC championship game. It's fantastic. Um, what did you make of the governor last night? You heard it here on WJR. Marie Osborne, Guy Gordon were on the coverage for you. Um, but what did you make of it? Because um, I wasn't surprised that the governor took a victory lap. But at the same time, I, I was left with a lot of questions. And, and I think James Holman was right with, with the Mackinac Center. It's, it's, she didn't cover how we were going to pay for these things. Again, it's not really the format. But at the end of the day, I, I left with a lot more questions than than answers. 800 859 957 800 859 0 wjr August is in Milford. He kicks that's us that's off. Right. What's up, a August?
2: Wire. Uh-huh. Most uh, wires will have
0: them. August. All right, we'll we'll reconnect with August as he gets uh settled in. But whether it was it was child care or or even what what I thought was interesting is Michigan offering an additional tax credit for electric vehicles. And if they were union-made, you'd get a bigger tax credit. I I thought that was very interesting. Certainly, we saw the UAW endorse Joe Biden, which wasn't a surprise, even though a majority of their membership probably don't believe and follow along with that ideology. But I th- also thought that was pretty interesting too. Tim's and Howell, what's up, Timmy?
5: How you doing? Good. Good. Yeah, I wanted to make a comment about the college. You know, everybody's complaining about the college and the high cost of college and and your undergrad program. And I never understood why we have the first two years of college at 100 and level classes are really a regurgitation of K through 12 or yeah, K through 12. Mm-hmm. Why don't we eliminate that? Let the students prepare in high school, and then when they go in their degree program, instead of having to have 128 credits, I can't remember what it is anymore. But it's 65 credits. You're done. You got your two-year where the career path you're going into. You cut the the uh, education uh, costs in half. And everybody's happy, you know. And then the next two years you can get your master's program. If you want to have a four year program, Sure. then you get your first two years, and then you get your master's, that's four years. I, I don't understand all this. And now to give away a billion and a half at the high end for, you know, uh, uh, for this community college thing, like you said, who's going to pay for this, you know? I mean, I could go on about everything this governor's talking about, but this is one uh, program that I think really needs to be revamped the first two years of college get rid of it let's do the two years that the kids are going to get their career path in and move forward we can cut it yeah. down, and everybody's going to be happy yeah tim just, tim I, i'm with you we
0: well, look I, i'm i mean I, I have no i i incur look i got no problem with college the only problem that i have is that a lot of these universities have had carte blanche just raise their tuitions to the extreme amounts that we see today. You know, you got these lawmakers in DC. This is this is the the rub of it all. Is you've got some of these folks that are like, "Well, I graduated for from Harvard and I was able to 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 pay my way through." And it's like, "Well, you graduated in 1965. Yes, of course it was cheaper. Yes, of course it was easier for you to to work and 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 pay for Harvard. Now, Good luck of, like, holding a job and then being able to go through Western, Central. I mean, the cost of college is so high. And so when when the federal government and the president talks about eliminating student loan debt, I I don't – people took that debt out knowingly. I want to address why it's so expensive because, realistically, it doesn't cost the university what they're charging per student – in order to provide them an education, lodging, food, uh, whatever it is. So I I think that's where you attack. But look, a lot of ISDs around the state of Michigan uh, have partnered with school districts to even make sure that by the time you graduate high school, you have an associate's degree so that you can actually go to a four-year university, do what you need to do, two, three years, and then you're out and into the workforce. So I, I think there are ways to do it. I'm not I'm not a, 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 a opposed to it. I'm just questioning where it's coming from. August is back. He's in Milford. What's up, August? We have to, yes. August, Hello. this is where you go.
4: Hey, Chris, I, just, I have a question. Yeah. Are you enjoying the ride?
0: Am I enjoying the ride? Which ride is that? The
3: Wolverines and oh. the Lions. August, I'm in.
0: I'm in the football solstice. This is the. This is the only dream I've ever had.
4: Amen, brother. I'm telling you. I I, I know it was a couple months ago. Or before, but I said Wolverines are going to be national champs, and they did it. And now the Lions are going to win the Super Bowl.
0: Look, I'm you, they're going all the way. That would be. That would be stuff that not even the Twilight Zone would be able to produce. That would be unbelievable, August. That well, would be unbelievable. At
4: the, look at the coaches. That's why I had the vibe. I had the vibe. And I'm not a betting man. Maybe I should have put some money on it. <laughs> That's not me. But I had the vibe that these guys are going to do it. And happening.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, they're really good. All right? The team is really good. Their players are much better than they have been in years past. The, I think the roster shows it. Um, their mentality is different. Dan Campbell is different. The way that they... Um, approach their front office is different. And so for the first time in decades, they've got a cohesive unit all roll, rowing in the same direction. And that is just not something we've we've seen. But yeah, August, I'm enjoying the ride. I'm enjoying the hell out of it. I'm enjoying it with my kids. I'm enjoying it with my family. I'm enjoying it with my friends. And look, at the end of the day, it's that's what it's all about. August, appreciate you, my man. Thank you. Patsy's in Royal Oak. What's up, Patsy? I'm glad you got that call. It was great. <laughs> that was
3: a happy call. That was happy call for you. That was nice that guy called in. Anyway, um, I was going to listen watch uh, Whitmer last night, but I had a call from out of state, and I had to take it from a friend. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really want to watch it anyway, because I live in Royal Oak, and they've got the same ideology as the state does. Mm-hmm. I've never spoken before the commission before, but I went to the Royal Oak, was the city for 100 years, and they hired all these consultants. Mm-hmm. And... As far as education, we need, we needed to go for like, uh, you know, if there's any money, would probably come from the federal. Because I told the commission, once we start getting money from the state and the federal, our city is going to change. And boy, has it ever! Our total tax thing is 183 million in Royal Oak. The other cities are 70 million and 60 million. Go figure it out. We had a they hired a consultant. He left now. He's gone. He's destroyed the city. We got to get it back. Whitmer doesn't know what's going on, and I think that she—the education thing scares me. I'm a grandmother. Mm. I, I am really scared that the federal—they they, these kids are being adopted even when they're little. And I'm not a crazy person. You, as a parent, they've got to really watch out. And I—I I, I just don't agree with all that. You know when they when they give all the free stuff when when the money runs out what are they going to do Chris what are they going to do when the money's
0: gone Well I mean that's my question That's exactly right. my question And look so I I, 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 But Patsy I'm not in the business for, for 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 trying to sound the alarm But I mean how, what do you think happens What's going to happen is is they're going to ask you to pay more in your taxes so that they can fund whatever program they're trying to fund.
3: Well, I call you tell your wife you're common sense, Chris. And <laughs> I will yes, tell her. You are common sense, Chris. I know you're not trying to be partisan, you're you know, bipartisan, you're an, oh, I think you're a true American like I am. Yeah. And the thing is common sense rules and you know, we wanna help people, we wanna help students, we wanna but this is not the way. Her way is no way. You have no idea what she's gonna do. This is horrible. And it's even horrible for the people
0: that would get the help. Yeah, well, it's- Patsy, I appreciate that. Thank you, first of all. And and look, I think there's more than one way to skin a cat, but at the end of the day, when when those two 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 ways of doing it, they have to converge. And we just haven't seen that convergence yet. But I appreciate the call. Eight hundred-eight five nine zero nine five seven. If you're on the line, hold tight. We'll get to your calls, your texts coming up next. Also We'll talk to Robert McCann with the K-12 Alliance, get some thoughts on where we are at the state of education here in the state of Michigan. That's next. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Despite the record amount of money invested into Michigan's education in the last budget cycle, um, we are still far below where we need to be in some pretty important categories, whether that's third grade reading, third grade math, we we are not up to snuff. And in fact, we are in the bottom 10 in the United States for for third grade reading and third grade math. And it's a problem. And so, you know, I, I to me, education is a two prong approach. You have to have people, families, loved ones that are involved at home. You have to be able to read to your kids. You have to be able to read with them. You have to be able to write and and that's how that's how they become competent readers competent learners it's a, a, a pillar number one pillar number two is the schools need to be accountable for both the good and the bad when things are going well. And when things are going badly, they they need to be held accountable. We need we need to stop putting people in categories, putting students in 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 categories based on religion, gender, sex, whatever it is. And and we need to look at them as third grade students, fifth grade students. And and those are the ways that you improve. Now I, I I love the idea that the governor threw out last night it, it, as a way to entice more educators to the state of Michigan. They're going to make it easier for you to get here, make it easier for for you to get into the classroom. I think it's great because teachers are just one of those one of those that one of those workforces that we just can't see a dip in, and we have here in the state of Michigan. And so it is it is a problem that we 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 just have to address. And so I'm glad she did talk about that last night. I know that, that again, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. But at the same time, I think education continues to be a, a huge priority when you consider one of the main goals for this governor is going to be growing Michigan's population. She's got a a, a group dedicated towards it now. And so, I mean... <laughs> It's one of those things that you just have to be, you have to be, you have to excel at if you want to draw people to your state. Michigan does not excel at this point in time. I mean, you have to have jobs, absolutely. You have to have good places to live, absolutely. But if, if young families with kids are, are looking at relocating to a state, but their education system isn't where it needs to be, well, they, that will be a deciding factor. Robert McCann is the executive director of the K twelve Alliance of Michigan, and he joins us. Robert, good to have you back. Hey, thanks for having me. As what, always, what did you what did you make of some of the things the governor said yesterday on on education at her state of the state address?
6: Yeah, I, I think you know what what you just said is, is is right on par with I think what she's proposing here is that we have to continue to grow our education system in Michigan if we want to compete in any number of areas. Uh, As a state, you know, we know that employers don't want to locate in a place where their families of their employees don't want to live and schools play a big part of that. And so if we can continue to invest in education, whether that's in the K-12 system itself, which we need to keep doing, or talking about the wraparound services, meaning early childhood at pre-K, like she's talked about last night, and post-graduation community college, like she talked about last night, those are all good things, but you know, the real questions are how are how are we investing in these and how much are we investing in these? Because that's ultimately what will decide whether they succeed or not.
0: The governor signed that that bill to to change teacher evaluations in, in the state of Michigan. How does that pair with the effort ongoing now to, to try to make it easier to bring teachers in, get them into the classroom faster? How does all of that jive? Does that does that make it uh, does that expedite the process to try to get teachers in and, and make Michigan a more enticing destination for it?
6: Yeah, what we found is that the the, the current teacher evaluation, or the, or the previous one as it existed until recently, uh, was really quite duplicative in some ways, but also very punitive in some ways, that it didn't really give accurate representations of how teachers were doing and, more importantly, where and how we can help them improve. And so by getting rid of that and allowing school administrators to, administrators to work directly with their employees, uh, on any improvements that are needed, it it helps foster a better relationship between our teachers, our schools, and our parents. And so, as we're doing that, I think it's going to help us recruit more teachers to Michigan, make Michigan a more welcoming place uh, for for young teachers in particular, where they want to you know start a career for twenty, thirty years out.
0: Uh, obviously, uh, the students that that you would be r- representing or most interested in those those seniors that are graduating high school going on to college or going on to their post secondary education the governor talked about making the first two years of community college free for for graduating seniors do you feel like that path is a sustainable one and do you feel like most most graduating senior graduating seniors would even t- take that route? Would they go to community college for a couple of years before t- transferring to, to a bigger university?
6: I think the bigger impact this is ultimately going to have is on you know the high school freshmen, sophomores that are questioning currently if they have a path after graduation. And if they don't know, meaning college isn't affordable for them, they're not sure if a trade school makes sense for them. Those are the students we often lose into the system. These are the students that don't have a hope beyond graduation. So we have str- we have struggled for years to keep them on a path for success and if we have a uh, a policy in michigan that says no matter where you come from or you know your your financial background you have two years of college after graduation paid for it that may be the single biggest thing that helps us keep those kids motivated keeps them on track towards uh successfully graduating high school because this is the first time they'll know that there's options for them after that so i really think it, it can capture that again to your other question, though, the question is going to be the, the financial sustainability of this program. You know, we, we know it can be a, a success, but we also need to know how it's going to get paid for. And if it's pulling money out of our K-12 system, that's not where we need to be pulling money from right now. So we have some questions, but ultimately we think it, it can have a tremendously positive impact.
0: Robert McCann with the K-12 Alliance of Michigan. Great stuff. Uh, appreciate the time as always. We'll talk again soon.
6: Sounds good. Thank you.
0: Yeah, you got it. Eight hundred eight five nine zero nine five seven. I want to squeeze Dave in here before we go to break. Dave, I got just over a minute here. What's up, bud?
7: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how do we pay for this stuff? Well, we just had back to back experiments with uh, GOP's favorite theory that says tax cuts and enhance the enhance the tax base and it pays for itself. It clearly doesn't. Never has. It failed repeatedly. And the other one that the GOP thought was a joke, as far as the uh investment into the people the, the lower paid people education so on and so forth it doesn't pay for itself well it clearly does today the new data was out and what does it show not only is the gdp up now 304 for all 12 quarters if you take it as a whole it's a little above three no matter how you mm-hmm. measure it for this quarter of the year everything else and the debt's down to 96.4 the, percent, the relative uh public debt the federal cumulative public debt held by the public 96.7 that's down from where it, 3 years ago it was 98 all
0: right well so then dave my question it, is how do we pay for and, a lot of the things that the governor talked about last night
7: okay basically how did we pay for this one the tax revenues over the last 3 years came in much higher than than anyone even the non partisan cbo predicted that's why the deaths down to 96 where it took over right. ninety eight, they said it'd be at 101
0: and, and, and dave i'm up difference. against it i'm sorry i gotta run but but we are at, these would be additions as we go forward in 2024 so we'll see if it's back something state. that that's able to to be sustained got to take a break all right welcome back three o'clock hour governor gretchen whitmer's sixth state of the state address last night also some breaking news donald trump has left the stand at the E. Jean Carroll case. He took the stand in his own defense. Uh, his attorney, Alina Abba, had asked Donald Trump, did you ever instruct anyone to hurt Miss Carroll in your statements? To which Donald Trump replied, no, I just wanted to defend myself, my family, and frankly, the presidency. He went on to say, after being questioned by his legal team, if he viewed Carol's sexual assault allegations as false, he said, yes, I did. He continued saying, she said something that I considered a false accusation, totally false. That prompted Judge Lewis Kaplan to cut Trump off, saying everything after yes, I did is stricken. Meanwhile, the defense has rested, and jurors have gone for the day, and Judge Kaplan says that they will return tomorrow morning, they'll hear closing arguments, <coughs> and the case will likely uh, be deliberating by lunchtime. Also, in a, I got to tell you, it's a wonderful move. Because, look, we're in some pretty unbelievable circumstances with the fact that the Detroit Lions are playing in the NFC Championship game. And it has created a buzz. And so General Motors is taking action so their workers have the ability to watch the game. Uh, The company sent out an alert to workers at Flint Assembly. uh, GM saying that Flint Assembly will not have an early start for normal production on third shift this Sunday, January 28th. Normal production will begin at 10:42 p.m. for body and paint at 11 p.m. for General Assembly. We recognize the Detroit Lions playing in the NFC championship game as a rare, unique opportunity that warrants this temporary scheduled adjustment to allow employees to enjoy the game and make it to work on time. Well, I don't know why you're shaking your head, Brian? I think it's fantastic. It's wonderful. So I'll be coming in late on Monday. This is how big this is: is you have one of the world's largest automakers, one of the foremost automakers in in the world, telling their workers, "Yeah, well, well don't worry about it. You <laughs> watch the game, and then you get you get to work. It's cool. It's it is cool, but it's very cool. Can I come in late? No. Oh. I mean, you're a I harsh don't, test master. W- w- whatever you got to do." <laughs> As long as you watch the game, that's the rub. Oh, well, now there's a catch to this. you got to watch the game. There's always
8: a hook under that. We're going to get I Brian watching sports. It's going to be fantastic. My, my wife wants me to dye my hair blue. Does she really? She said, you should dye your hair blue. And I went, yeah, that would, that I would second not have this.
0: completely creamed here at work. I second this. Yeah, I, I would be on board for that. <laughs> I'll bet. All right. Um, uh, and, and. The governor yesterday, look, took a victory lap for Democrats. This is a unique case because the Democrats hadn't had control of the legislature for 40 years. And until last session, they did. And they passed a lot of of Democratic priorities, certainly spearheaded by Governor Gretchen Whitmer. And, and yesterday, she also talked about where she wants to go this year and and what some of her priorities are for for going forward and i and, and whether it's new housing or uh preschool or uh different education initiatives um free co- uh, uh uh community college tuition I, I i do question how we get to that point in terms of spending because we are going to have that one time spending from the federal government coming off the books at some point and And to me, that's going to be a rude awakening. Plus, you've got MDoT accessing the 700-ish million dollars left from the the bond program, the 3.5 billion dollar bond that the governor had taken out a few years ago, to pay for road funding. and And once that goes away, not only is that a debt now you have to repay, but then we are still going to be underfunding our roads severely. And not just to the point where we can't take care of them, to the point where we won't be able to make the necessary upgrades in mass that that we need to in order to have a a quality roadway. I think it's a real problem. Uh, Real quick, Joe and Clarkson has some thoughts on the on the GM decision. What's up, Joey?
9: Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I've been in the auto industry for 40 years and so I'm very I know the way how all this works in the assembly plants. The only reason GM is giving them this uh, time off, it's very smart on their part because it makes them look like they're uh, th- they're doing a very good thing for the employees. Is they know that nobody's going to show up for those shifts because everybody's going to be watching the game. So smart PR move on the on the part of GM. But uh, the fact is, they know that nobody's going to show up for work. So instead of having the, the plant running with nobody there, which costs a lot of money, they just uh, they take take that shift off.
0: You don't think anybody would show up? You think people would call in sick?
9: Oh, my God, yes. You should see after it. For the Super Bowl, it's hard to get people to come in on those shifts. So imagine the Detroit Lions. Yeah, wait till the Lions are in it.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Joe, appreciate the call. Meanwhile, the economic impact of the last two NFL playoff games in Detroit has been undeniable. Restaurants, bars packed, grocery stores are busy, and people are preparing to watch the game from home. And and look, this is just potentially what just just the beginning of what the Lion postseason run has meant to this region. Last, uh, rather this weekend, Lions playing the Forty Nine ers in San Francisco in the NFC Championship game, uh, but they're still expected to be a boost to the economy here locally. WJR Senior News Analyst Marie Osborne. Asking experts on the issue. Hi, Marie.
1: Well, we got the big expert here, Chris. None other than Chris Moyer, spokesperson for Visit Detroit. They keep tabs on all this stuff. And he says there is no question, even though this game will be thousands of miles away, people in the Motor City are going to be spending time and plenty of money to enjoy the playoff atmosphere.
2: This has been a January that can rival some of the best summer months in terms of hotels, restaurants, cars with just the excitement and the activity. And even though the game is on the road in San Francisco this weekend, it's not going to slow down.
1: Now, the Lions are hosting that massive watch party at Ford Field. It says it's sold out, but that's not going to stop people from gathering everywhere downtown and in the suburbs. They want to watch the game. And this will be a weekend of blue light specials.
2: Businesses throughout Detroit, whether it's at Bedrock or Michigan Central or GM, uh, and and dozens of others have lit up their buildings in Honolulu blue, and that has contributed to remarkable TV coverage that people are. Detroit in a totally different way.
1: And then that vision of Detroit to the rest of the country will likely translate to further economic growth. In addition, he says, it's helped the entire community, city and suburbs to find common ground.
2: What I think is most important about this is the way that the community has rallied around the identity of the Lions, Coach Campbell, and Jared Goff. So my hope, win or lose, is that the community recognizes that we all do better when we support each other, when we cheer each other on, and we, when we have Detroit back.
1: And, Chris, I know you heard this figure probably in your travels in the last week. So far, those two playoff games each pumping $50 million into the local economy. It Go is Lions. insane. It is, in, yeah. is
0: absolutely. And, look, these bars that, that usually wouldn't have anybody in them on a, on a, Sunday, on a night? Sunday night yeah. in January – Uh, Very cool. Feel uh, really good for a lot of these companies and businesses downtown. Marie, thank you very much. Thank you. I want to remind you Fontainebleau Las Vegas is the newest luxury resort and casino on the Las Vegas Strip. And we want to send you there for the big game weekend. You score a trip for two to Las Vegas, including airfare, two night stay at Fontainebleau. Las Vegas, $150 credit to spend at one of its 36 restaurants and bars, two tickets to the Fontainebleau Las Vegas Big Game Viewing Party at Blue Live Theater to enter Texas Hours National Keyword Watch to 95819. For full details and official contest rules, visit wjr.com. Real quick, want to take Rick in Clinton. He joins us. What's up, Rick? Hey, I just chuckle a little bit
2: about... Uh GM giving a day, a shift off. Yeah. Yeah.
6: Doesn't Ford own the Lions?
0: They do. <laughs> yes, they yeah.
6: do. He's not giving
4: a shift off. It's like a thumb in the eye.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> it's a good call, Rick.
8: I thought that was kind of funny.
0: Yeah. Good stuff, man. Thank you for the call. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Maybe Ford's got to make a move. All right. got to take a break. More coming up next. Obviously, EV struggling in these cold temperatures. Not as cold today as it has been the last week and a half, two weeks. But uh, what is the prognosis for that? We expect changes. Uh, We'll talk about that next on JR Afternoon. All right. So we did hear from a a Ford employee. Brian, what was the message relayed to you? You took the call. And we 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 do have a definitive it was answer Scott. here. Scott,
8: he says he works at the Dearborn Ford truck plant. Okay, they do have that shipped off all right. on Monday. Well, so there you they go. Can watch the game.
0: That makes that makes a lot of sense. I I would expect Ford to do the same, and they did, and all good. Uh, but but that look, it speaks to how big this game is. Now they just give us the day on. Yeah. <laughs> you hear that? I have to talk to Ann. You hear that, Ann? Ann. <laughs> Now, unfortunately, it's a Sunday, and then we'll be there. we will back to work on a Monday. Uh, but yeah, all right, good stuff. Ford uh, employees will have that that shift off as well. Uh, in the meantime, we we have been following that that cold front that moved through much of the country, certainly our area, over the last week and a half or so. We saw all kinds of issues with electric vehicles being able to not only maintain a charge, but then get to charging stations so so that they could juice up and continue on. But what we were finding was that the cold was zapping the batteries so much that these vehicles were dying before they could get to the charges. So tow trucks needed to be called in or people were pushing their cars up the chargers to get juice. And look, I I don't think that it's a surprise to anyone that these cold temperatures do play a factor into electric batteries, whether it's in your car or in your phone. If you spend any considerable amount of time Outdoors with your phone it you will lose a charge much quicker than if you were indoors in a controlled temperature um and so just wondering how that plays in and the development into this technology certainly is changing certainly will get better but in the meantime the 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 issues still continue to to persist, Jennifer Meffords, the national co-chair of the Electrical Vehicle Infrastructure Training Program and joins us. Jen, it's good to have you. Hey, Chris. Great to be here. What did you make of some of those stories that we saw popping up in places like Chicago, even here in Detroit, where EVs were having a difficult time holding that charge until they got to the stations to, to get juice?
10: Sure. Well, listen, when those temperatures get as cold as they were, zero, you know, high of zero, one, wind chill, so cold, it affects so many different systems, including EVs, of course. Um, You know, I was on a tarmac at DTW on the day that it was zero, and Mm -hmm. all the fuel lines to fuel the planes had frozen, and all of the tanks in the ground with the gas had frozen as well. (laughs) So I think it really does just, you know, challenge all of us, but fortunately, today it's a balmy 40-something.
0: Yeah, no Um, doubt.
10: Yeah, related to EVs, though, yes, it's about a 30% um, change in the capacity of a battery when it's super cold like that. So each vehicle's battery, as you know, Chris, from our conversations, has uh, will be affected differently. Some will, will lose more range, some will lose less. But the average is about 30%. Most uh, vehicles have about a 270 to 350 mile range. So you're gonna lose some of that. And that's you know, definitely something you wanna plan for. So just like in any other cold emergency when we gas up our uh, ICE vehicles, you also wanna make sure that you're charging that vehicle to full capacity on those on those cold nights, if you can and you can plan on it. Batteries are also affected um, in the rate that they're able to onboard energy. So some of those stories that we were hearing, like ones in Chicago where there were, you know, lines and kind of people stacking up at charging stations. When it's super cold, the batteries bring in energy into that battery a little bit slower, so it takes longer. So there were more of those wait times. So it can also super, super cold temperatures, just like it can cause havoc on any other software-based system that's out in the elements, affects that too. So it's kind of all of it. I don't, you know, I feel like this just kind of reinforces uh, one, charging at home, two, we need more public infrastructure, and that's really coming along. You know, the recent announcement of the Lansing area getting an $8 million um, funding jump uh, out of the bipartisan infrastructure law to put charging stations in helps it's all kind of building and growing these networks of places. And that will help iron all this out, but it's typically only in super extreme temperatures, uh, super hot, super cold. Uh, what do we do in those times? Tur- we crank the heat or we crank the air. Most EVs draws that power from the battery.
0: Yeah. And, and you bring up a great point. Obviously I would think that, Most EV drivers probably have at-home charging, but when you start getting into places like, you know, Detroit, if you live downtown in the city where you're in an apartment building that may not have EV charging stations yet or in Chicago or in New York where we saw a lot of the issues, um, they might not have access to at-home charging. They may not have the ability to have a charger in their own space. And so they do rely on those public chargers. And when there just aren't enough of them or when you're in an area where is it's highly concentrated with a lot of folks and a lot of EVs, it can, be, it can be particularly difficult. So I think you're right. I think that as long as, as, long as the, the infrastructure continues to evolve, it, your battery not, might not be able to hold the charge in, in some extreme conditions, but you'll, you'll have more access to being able to charge them.
10: Yeah, it'll definitely hold the charge. It will draw down about 30%. We need more access. And what I like is this blend of level two infrastructure going into public spaces, as well as as DC fast charging. Because, again, that level two is going to take longer, but it actually will work a little bit more efficiently Mm -hmm. in super cold temps. But we're fortunate in Michigan that it doesn't stay cold like that for very long. Um, And it really uh, is this extreme temperature, extreme cold, extreme heat. That affects those batteries the
0: most. Yeah. Uh, Interesting stuff. Uh, Great insight as always. Jennifer Mefford, thank you so much for taking some time with me today. Appreciate it. Thanks. Go Lions. Go Lions. That's exactly Mm -hmm. right. Thanks, Jen. Be well. Yeah, you too. Uh, In the meantime, some other news. Uh, Jim Harbaugh out at Michigan taking the job in L.A., going to, to SoCal to take that Chargers job. And it, it ends a years-long kind of flirtation with the NFL. Jim Harbaugh, for, for the last three years at least in earnest, where he has taken a meeting or has talked to, to different teams, you know, it started with the Denver Broncos, with the Minnesota Vikings, uh, had discussions with the Chargers, then Atlanta, and then, then back to, to L.A., And it it, depending on what you read, I the the story I saw by Angelique Shengalis in the Detroit News was that Jim Harbaugh was asking for immunity, not to be fired, based on the outcome of of these dual NCAA investigations that are ongoing into illegal recruiting and and obviously the sign stealing investigation, and so Jim Harbaugh wanted some. Some something in writing in a new contract that said he was protected if the NCAA came knocking at the door and wanted and wanted his head. And Michigan seemed to be hesitant. And Harbaugh's team, that was the sticking point. But according to Shangales, by the time the university came around to agreeing to those terms, Harbaugh was Already, basically, signed, sealed, delivered to the L.A. Chargers, and so I, I, I continued to maintain after the national championship game, after the Alabama game, the Rose Bowl game in Pasadena, it just felt like Jim Harbaugh was gone because Jim Harbaugh wants a chance to win a a Super Bowl. Jim Harbaugh wants the opportunity to to win it all at the pro- professional level. And so if there is one thing that Michigan couldn't offer Jim Harbaugh, it was a a Lombardi trophy. And so I believe that the flirtations with the NFL over the last couple of years, conversations that I had had with people, it just seemed like after Michigan won it, Harbaugh was going to move on. He had done everything he wanted to do coming back and taking over at his alma mater. You're not going to see dynasties like Nick Saban anymore nothing really else to prove Harbaugh did it and now he has a chance to win it all in the NFL got to take a break all right welcome back Wanted to give you a a Republican view of Governor Gretchen Whitmer's state of the state last night her sixth which is still unbelievable to me so we call on Senator Jim Runstead of the 23rd district uh, to join us and he joins us Senator good to have you
11: Uh, Great to be on, Chris. Uh, Yeah, it was uh, uh, quite a a speech that she delivered yesterday. Uh, Basically, uh, if I was uh, to uh, encapsulize it, I would say free, free, free. And uh, lots of picking winners and losers with taxpayer dollars in a crony capitalism, big fountain of cash, taxpayer cash. So, yeah, it was very discouraging. There were so many areas that we could have worked on. I've had a bill to require Freedom of Information Act uh, for the governor's office and the legislature in March. Democrats deep-sixed that. They deep-sixed every single transparency. I probably have 12 transparency uh, bills put in, all killed. Uh, that's something that we could have uh, agreed upon. Uh, uh, you know, that's That's been just pushed back constantly and uh, should have been done right at the beginning of last year. So there's, there's just a, a lot of... Uh, Uh, disappointing concepts that we're going to fund pre-k free for everybody, college, uh, community college, free for everybody, Um, huge new uh, car uh, rebate uh, for the taxpayer dollars are going to pay for. Uh, A lot of these uh, programs where they're going to have tax capture programs, Uh, that's where uh, they will uh, take the state uh, income tax for all the employees in the company and uh, pour them into the project. But the guy next door may have the same kind of project, but he didn't have the connection to the commission uh, who makes all these decisions because it's, it's, there's a limited amount of projects. And so if you're, a, if you're a golfing buddies with the chair or your wife goes shopping with one of the members, oh, my goodness, you got a great project. If you don't have those connections, then that you just don't get the funding. So it's, it's so much of the stuff that has failed across the nation, failed. Uh, here in Michigan with uh, Grand Homes Battery uh, initiatives of them. about 15 years ago, they were flopped in the dust, costing a mountain of money. So it's, it's just really difficult that she didn't reach across the aisle and say, you know, what can we all agree upon? What are some things that really make sense? There was no discussion on any of this. Hmm. Uh, they just want to keep this rolling like they did last year. Well, uh, the least number of uh, unanimous bills in Michigan's history last year, and I think it's going to continue.
0: I mean, there's there, nothing is free. So where does the money come from then, Senator?
11: That comes from your listeners' pocketbooks. Ask them to get those pocketbooks out and start paying the, the bigger taxes. Uh, we, we plowed through $9 billion in one-time federal funds in our last appropriation, pickleball courts and swimming pools and everything, so that the Democrats have these giant cardboard checks. You probably see these with a standout. I paid for the swimming pool. I bought the pickleball courts and all of this stuff. Uh, when we have huge transportation needs, I'm, I'm driving home now, uh, dodging potholes. And she said, we're going to fix the roads. I think it was 247 million out of $9 billion, an infinitesimal fraction of that $9 billion the roads. And that's the kind of thing that really can make a difference to turn Michigan around. We're losing more uh, people than any other state but one. Uh, our, our income is the lowest compared to other states since 1929, when they first started looking at these things. There's so many systemic issues Michigan has that we could be focusing on, and it's all this free, free. Isn't this sound good? It's a motion, free, free, free. It's not free. It's coming out of your, your listeners are gonna get hit with higher taxes because there's no way this stuff is a, just grows on trees.
0: Well, what's going to be the the, the governor here? And I don't mean Gretchen Whitmer. I mean the the thing that could hold this up because, you know, obviously Democrats still have a a slim majority in the Senate, but they're deadlocked in the House. Do you anticipate that playing a factor into into some of these line items and, and priorities that Governor Gretchen Whitmer laid out last night?
11: I would assume so. Unfortunately, we, uh, much more than the Democrats, we always have some, uh, Republicans peel off, uh, you know, for some goodies and go over to the, uh, the Democrat side and, and vote with their initiatives, which I find most of these people, when they're hitting doors, you say they would never do that, but they're now they're in constant office and they'll start voting over the Democrats, uh, on stuff that their people do not want them to be voting for. But I, I think, uh, Uh, In the Senate, we seem to be holding pretty good. The the House is where there's been an issue. But I I think they're kind of coalescing that, you know, breaking free and making a Democrat priority a bipartisan because you have one Republican voting for something. The media all says it's bipartisan, bipartisan, when everyone in the Senate and almost everyone in the House uh, Republicans vote against it. But it just takes one and they start screaming bipartisan. So hopefully – these terrible, uh, huge spending uh, is, is going to be curtailed That at least until uh, April. That's when the uh, special elections will be held, uh, unless we uh, unless we pick up one of those seats. Uh, they will go right on the spend. They'll just pile these spending things up and just go like drunken sailors, just spending like there's no tomorrow if they get the majority back.
0: Do you think that, that some of the things that she said last night were – were not necessarily meant for Michigan voters were were kind of messages geared towards a bigger audience, whether that's the DNC or or this idea that well, she can't control global inflation. But but there are things that she can do and she is doing. I mean, it, it just sounded like almost like a political stump speech at times where you mix in some of the 80s puns and and, you know, you you kind of gloss away from some of the the issues, and and as you put it, you know, you talk, you give out the freebies. What did you make? Kind of the overall tone of her of her message.
11: I, I got that impression that uh, she's uh, got one eye on the national stage, where she would love to uh, be named the vice president. She would love to uh, increase her profile, and uh, the media, is, for the most part, is not going to call her out on this. They'll pretend that this money just grows on trees. It, this is an enormous amount of brand new spending. Uh, I, I saw that uh, they're giving um, $7,500 for every um, uh, child born in Flint, regardless of income. So you could be making, you're a superintendent, you're making uh, 270000 a year, you get this money. Everybody gets this money in this one area. And so it, this is the kind of stuff that, that goes under the radar. People don't see the kind of spending that is, is going to drive us backward here in the state of Michigan while the real needs, something like the infrastructure, the roads, are I, they're just horrible. I'm, I'm Like I said, I'm driving through the potholes now, and uh, this is just going to get worse and worse. And that's where she should have been putting the focus on. What is really going to make a difference for Michigan business is making it competitive for all business. We have some of the highest rates for uh, utility rates in the nation. And Ford said they weren't going to build the battery plant here because of their energy rates. Mm -hmm. What is she doing to decrease the energy rates? We have one of the highest level of the service outages in the nation with some of the highest rates in the nation and some of the oldest infrastructure. Does she talk about that? Does she talk about her uh, MPSC that just keeps giving another rate increase and another rate increase and another? That's going to drive business out of here. Plus, the, the people are leaving. The costs are getting uh, exploding here in Michigan to uh, to operate your uh, your home. And the, and the tech, property taxes are some of the highest in the country. There's some things that could have been done. They just weren't addressed.
0: Fair enough, uh, Senator Jim Runstead. Appreciate your thoughts. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Chris. Always love the show. Yep, You thank you. Appreciate it. We'll talk again. All right, got to take a break. Steve Courtney joins me next here on JR Afternoon. All right, getting you set for Mitch Album and the crew coming up next. Steve Courtney joins me. Hello, friend.
8: How are you there, sir? I'm
0: good. I'm good. I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm trying to process.
8: I know you are.
0: The last twenty four hours. But we it's okay. had.
8: Uh, we had our green room conversation earlier. Yeah. Let me just say this: our conversation, Chris, brought to you by the Performance Remodeling Sweepstakes. Performance Remodeling, a preferred partner of the Inside Outside Guys, kicked off yet another one hundred thousand dollar window of opportunity sweepstakes. Request your windows, roofing, and siding quote today. Log into Windows Roofing Siding dot com to enter the performance remodeling sweepstakes. Yeah, I know your heart is somewhat heavy. Uh, Jim Harbaugh has flirted, obviously, uh, with a return to the NFL over the last uh, three years for sure. And now it is a certainty he is uh, heading to the Chargers of Los Angeles in nine years uh, as the head coach of the Michigan football Wolverines. He goes eighty six and twenty five. Uh, but obviously cashes in with a national championship.
0: I, um, you know, uh, you have your heart and your mind, your brain, right? Mm-hmm. And my brain was telling me there's nothing left for him here. What's left? Look, y- y- you talk to Tom Izzo all the time. Yeah, I think Tom Izzo is dead right when he says you look at what NIL is doing and you look at it, NIL without parameters, Right without guardrails, I think these kids do deserve money, but without without any any system in place, it's, it's, it's run them up.
8: It is what it is.
0: Um, the transfer portal, it has ma- college athletics is not just hey, eighteen year old kid, come on to Ann Arbor or East Lansing and play some ball. It's not like that anymore. Those
8: days uh, are long gone.
0: Yeah, and so I just feel like you look at what Sabin did. And you look at now what Jim Harbaugh is doing, getting out. I think they're different circumstances. But at the same time, it's like if you've reached the pinnacle, if you've reached the mountaintop, what? why do you want to continue to run in that rat race, run in that wheel, when you could just go to the NFL? Jim does still have aspirations to win his Super Bowl. He did it. He did everything he wanted to do. Now he gets to go try to do something else he wants to do. All right,
8: now let's take a look at this because the comparisons have been made. Uh, What is the difference between uh, Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan while investigations are still going on and Pete Carroll bolting USC for losing um, control and bolting to the Seattle Seahawks?
0: So the only difference as we sit today is that the NCAA hasn't made any decision on Jim Harbaugh. Right. So the possibility does technically still exist where the NCAA says, all right, we'll dock you, uh, you know, 10 scholarships for two years and appreciate you uh, cooperating with the investigation. Well, and
8: before Harbaugh moved on, uh, the NCAA did come out and say, look, whatever he decides to do is what he decides. It has no bearing on our investigations. Um and I want to point out something. that's going to be interesting. Uh, there was a point in time not that long ago, uh, maybe a month or two, where you know the NFL was uh, certainly sniffing that. Yeah, you know, here we are that time of year. Harbaugh may return to our league, blah blah blah. But that being said, uh, he this is not going to be a safe haven for him.
0: So I now, don't believe that for a second. Not at all, huh? Zero. I, th- there are different they're different leagues. It's like if you go if you work at one place and they're like we got to suspend you cuz you said something you shouldn't have said. And you're like, "Well, screwed. I'll quit. Go get a new job." The new job is going to be like, "You did what? Well, you have to be suspended here too." It's a different you're it's a different deal. Right. right. Now, there's no doubt that I mean everybody talks, right? I mean, I just I don't see how the NFL, first of all, I don't know why the NFL would want one of their incoming coaches that has a lot of cachet, a good name, to come in and be suspended. Like, that does it just doesn't, that doesn't jive with the shield.
8: I agree. Now, here's the thing. Uh, Sharon Moore uh, filled in admirably uh, four games for Coach Harbaugh while he was suspended. Uh, They were going to, according to reports, they being Sharon Moore and the University of Michigan, uh, have some discussions today, maybe as far as to, you know, what is your staff going to look like? Yeah. Um, and you're content with that? You're good with Sharon Morgan the nod.
0: I am. Um, obviously he's proven it, which you know is unusual. Uh, if you have a a, a a in my mind an elite coordinator on staff, very rarely do you get to see what they would be able to do in game situations. But since Jim Harbaugh was suspended for six games this year right. for two different alleged violations, it's it's just it's mayhem. The fact that you actually got to see what this guy could do in game situations, the aggressiveness, the 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 wherewithal to, you know, in the Penn State case, not throw the football in the second half of that game. That's unusual. So the fact that he has the the capacity to to run a game, to run a scheme and to keep with it, I think is is unusually positive for Michigan um, and. If you decide to go outside and hire somebody, I don't know that if anybody that is like that you would consider to be open now would be any better than Sharon Moore. And Sharon Moore will get a a major job if he is if he doesn't get this this gig.
8: Well, and, uh, you know, here's the rub. And again, we talked about it earlier Um, by bringing aboard Sharon Moore. You're bringing aboard somebody who's never had any full time head coaching experience. Right. I mean, it was baptism under fire for this cat. sure
0: you it know, worked
8: out it did it it certainly did but um, you don't totally know now and it's only been a day uh are you anticipating uh a lot of Michigan players hitting the transfer portal not or sure. are they comfortable enough with Sharon Moore where they're saying oh okay this is this is going the way we wanted
0: it if it's Sharone Moore, I would imagine those those guys stay. I would imagine you'll have very few. Defectors would be my guess. All right. Just my guess. I mean, they they rallied around him heavily. And so. Um,
8: Difficult circumstances. Totally. For him to uh, totally. make and, and, his head coaching debut. And, you know,
0: being, being in that spot for Sharon Moore, where you are not only the head coach, but you're the offensive coordinator. You're also the O-line coach. Like, that's a lot of work to do in-game. Um, He did it admirably. Can he be a CEO? Can he be Jim Harbaugh in the sense that you have to, not only do you have to identify talent from a player perspective, but you have to identify talent from a coaching perspective. And, you know, all the signs are pointing that Jesse Minner, the defensive coordinator, will probably go with Jim Harbaugh to be the D.C. in, Mm -hmm. in L.A. So do you have the ability to identify coaching talent? I think those are all questions that we don't know about Sharon Moore. We know he's a good coach. We know he's a good offensive mind. We know that he can coach the offensive line. What, what, what are the other skills that we haven't seen yet? Now, those are the unknowns.
8: Well, meanwhile, uh, back to Harbaugh quickly and his new club. Uh, they're an aging roster. And as it turns out, according to reports, they're projected to be $27.5 million over the league salary cap. Yeah. So uh, he's going to have some decisions to make uh, right quick. And the buyout is 1.5 mil. Yeah. Thank God he made $3 million in bonuses on his way to a national
0: no championship. No doubt. Two words for you. Justin Herbert, the quarterback Franchise. of the Chargers. Yeah. That's what you need in the NFL. Everything else can be worked around. Uh, Mitch album coming up. You're up. What are you guys doing? Yeah. Uh,
8: Mitch is remote today, but he is going to join us to weigh in on the whole Jim Harbaugh story, also Nolan Finley joining us to talk about the state of the state last night. Cool. That and a whole lot more. Mister. Awesome,
0: thank you, Stephen. We'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, Chris. All right. Mitch Album and the crew coming up next right here on WJR. We'll catch you tomorrow, same time, same place. Have a good one.